The word of the Lord says this. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. You may be seated. Happy Easter. He is risen. Praise God for that. Praise God for his power to raise not only Christ from the dead. Because of Christ's resurrection, we are raised from the dead if we place our hope, faith, and trust in Christ. Uh, just two quick announcements, then I'll pray for us, and then we'll dive into God's holy word on this beautiful Sunday. Uh, mark your calendars. This coming Wednesday is our business meeting at 6.30 here in the building. So if you're a member, we invite you to come to be a part of our business meeting at 6.30. Also, next week, we'll be taking up uh, Annie Armstrong offering. We forgot to announce that, so we'll be taking that up uh, next Sunday. So uh, that is um, missions, uh, a missions offering that we collect that goes uh, all over the world uh, to help our missionaries. So please uh, mark your calendar for that, begin to pray, and uh, see what God would have you for the Annie Armstrong offering. Let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into God's holy word this morning. God, we come and we ask that you would quiet our minds, quiet our hearts, open our ears and eyes to see, as you say from the Apostle Paul, that the eyes of our hearts may be opened to see the hope to which you've called us. Pray that we would see that this morning through this Easter message. We are reminded that today is Easter, but for us as the believer, every day is Easter. That you conquered death and therefore gave us life. And I pray that we would rejoice in that. We bring you glory in that. We give you our lives as a testimony and a sacrifice and honor to that. So lead us, God, this morning as we look at your word. That it would do what only it can do. That would divide every piece in our life that is counter to you. That you would forgive us of our sins. And you'd make us holy and bring us into more of our salvation through sanctification to become like Christ Jesus. We're called to be holy for you are holy. I pray that you would do that in us this morning. Pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen. As we read already, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 
24, Luke chapter 24. What we will do this morning is look at two things, and I want to ask you this question this morning before we start. I want you to take these two questions, and by the end of the text, I, I want to know in your own heart which one you are. Because this passage of Scripture will reveal who we are. Are you like the women that went to the tomb? Are you like the disciples that heard of the testimony about the tomb? So this morning, do you live with doubt about the resurrection? Or do you live with disbelief about the resurrection? I think if we're all honest with ourselves in some way, even if we're believers this morning, we will doubt the resurrection or we'll disbelieve the resurrection. That's what we see with these two uh, different groups of people. And so I'll give us some backdrop of where we're at and then where we're headed. Where we're at is at the resurrection. It's Sunday morning. The reason that we celebrate uh, all of our Lord's Day is because of what happened 2,000 years ago, that Christ was raised from the dead. And so we come to celebrate that. Before that, the Jewish people would celebrate on Sabbath, Sabbath day. That was a Saturday. And they would worship God on Saturday. But because of the resurrection, because of what Christ did by conquering death through God, we now celebrate on Sunday morning. And so here, here we're at. Here's what's been happening in the last 72 hours. Remember, 72 hours prior to that, Jesus is in the upper room and he's having a conversation with his disciples. He's been telling his disciples for the last three years that things were going to happen to him, that he was going to be beaten and he was going to be arrested and he was going to be put into prison and he was going to die. But he also told them this, that he would rise from the dead in three days. He'd been telling them that throughout his journey, throughout his ministry. And he would tell them over and over again, he would tell them over and over that he was the life and that he was the resurrection. This was no mystery to them. He was telling them that from the get-go. But that faithful evening after they had shared the Lord's Supper together, the, the Lord and his disciples went out from that place. And a mob of people, a mob of angry men came to Jesus. They were angry because of the claims that Jesus had made. They were angry that Jesus was claiming to be the Son of God. That was ludicrous to them. And the high priest was livid about it. So much so that he said it was blasphemy, and being blasphemy, it deserved death. And so they drug Jesus away that day. And in the next 72 hours, they beat him senselessly. They beat him, as we talked about on Friday, to a place that humans couldn't even recognize him. And then they drug him to the cross and they hung him on the cross. And all the while we see the heart of Jesus. And on the cross he said to God, forgive them for they know not what they do. A heart of compassion, a heart of love, a heart of forgiveness. Remember who's at the cross that evening. It's the same few women that show up for the tomb. 
It's interesting to me that the very people that Jesus first appears to are the people that last saw him. It's also interesting that he showed up to women first. Women were not credible in that culture. They would have had no place in the courtroom to ever testify about anything, but he showed up to women first. Women were the first to ever talk about the resurrection to anyone. I wonder, men, if we've continued to forsake what we ought to and we're more like the disciples in a place of disbelief. Remember what happened to the disciples. The disciples scattered, the men scattered who had been walking with Jesus for three years. It was the women that stuck close to Christ. But even this day, we see the heart of the women. It says, but early that first day, early in the morning, before the sun had risen, some of the other gospels told us, at the break of dawn, right when the sun is rising, they went to the tomb. But didn't go to the tomb to see if the tomb was empty, to see if his claim was to be true. Right? They showed up with spices. They showed up with a place of disbelief or doubt. It says in chapter 24, but on that first day of the week, at early dawn, they, the women, went to the tomb. And what did they do? They took spices that they had prepared. So for 48 hours, after they left the cross, after they had watched Jesus die and breathe his last, after they watched Joseph of Arimathea take him from the cross and put him into the tomb and watched that big rock get put in front of the grave, they went back to their house and they pondered. And they waited. Because they knew they could do nothing the next day to the body of Jesus because it was it was the Sabbath day. You could do no work on the Sabbath day. So they, in, in anticipation, were waiting to get to the grave to prepare the body for death. For his death. They went with a place of doubting. They went to prepare as if he was going to stay dead in the tomb. In verse 2, it says this, and then they found the stove the stone rolled away from the tomb. We know that in Matthew chapter 28, how that stone was rolled away. It was by a miracle of God. It was by an earthquake is what the writer of Matthew tells us. That the, the earth shook so much, it took this big stone and rolled it out of the mouth of the grave. I believe that's a testimony to what we see later on that Paul says in Romans chapter 1, that even creation groans at the death of God. So we see early on that the, cre the creation, the creator of the world, the things that he creates, is groaning so much in agony that it splits the earth so much so that it rolls the stone out of the way. Not that Jesus needed the stone rolled out of the way. He didn't need the stone to be rolled out of the way. I believe it's nature's response to the death of Christ. We know because later on in the Gospels we see that Jesus... As Cedar says, he, he calls him um, Tricky Jesus. That's what Cedar, my son, six years old. Tricky Jesus because he can walk through walls. He can walk through doors. He could have walked through the stone. But creation rolled this stone away from the tomb. And these women are coming and they're 
seeing this huge stone and they're wondering, we know throughout the other Gospels, they're debating how are we going to move that stone that we saw placed? How, how are we going to even get in to see the body of Jesus? Because they doubted his words that he was not going to be in the tomb. They doubted what Jesus had told him over and over and over again. I will rise from the dead. Now, I don't know how close or how far away they were from that tomb that day when they noticed that the stone had rolled away. But it says that they weren't so frightened that the stone was rolled away that they walked closer to the tomb. Verse 3. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So here these women are, and they think to themselves, thank God the tomb, the stone has been rolled from the tomb. We can now and we can go and prepare the Lord's body for death. And we can get him ready to preserve his body for as long as possible because he's dead. And they walk into the tomb. But it says in verse 4, when they walk into the tomb, they're perplexed. That word perplexed means they stood there in awe, dumbfounded. Now, why would they have been dumbfounded? Because they doubted what Jesus had told them. But then, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. These were two angels, we know, through the other gospels. And as these two angels stood there that early morning, the women were so frightened, they fell on their faces, it says to us in verse 5. They fell on the ground. And then these two angels brought this sweet rebuke. I believe it's a rebuke that we need to hear this morning as well. The rebuke is simple. But it says this, the angel said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? I wonder, church, for us, why do we seek the living among the dead? What I mean by that, if there's any sin in your life, any addiction in your life, anything that's hampering you from walking with the Lord, I would say the same thing. You were seeking the living amongst the dead. Alcohol is not your solution. That is something from the dead. But we try to go and we try to find life in it, do we not? And on and on I can go. Because we doubt the resurrection. We doubt the power of the, of the resurrection. So we too, if we're honest with ourselves, all of us in the room, believer or unbeliever, there's often times in our life that we are seeking the living amongst the dead, are we not? Your job, your financial security, your marriage, your children, on and on I could go. I believe if the angels were here to us, they'd say the same to us this morning. But thank God for verse 6. Thank God for verse 6. Because of all that they said and all the rebuke was simply that you seek the living amongst the dead and they turned and walked away. There would be no hope for us, would there? The next verse, verse 6, is our hope. 
Because the next verse, it says that these angels then said this, he is not here. He is what? Risen. And then they say this, remember how he told you while you were still in Galilee. You see, that's our hope this morning, that he is risen. The resurrection will give us hope and will take our doubt from us if we believe the resurrection this morning. But I would ask you this. What is it today that you are remembering? You see, if you simply remember your past without the gospel, you will have no hope. If you are simply remembering what you desire to get to without the gospel, there is no hope. My question to you, my question to myself this morning is, will I remember the truths about who Jesus claimed he said he was, the living God? What he tells us in John 10.10 I've come to give you life and life to the full. It's what he said to the woman after she was uh, in, uh, after she was caught in adultery. John four, she, he says, I'm the living water. He, he says to her, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. I'm the hope. Do we remember that this morning? Or we, do we doubt that he has truly been raised? They go on to say, remember how he told you. And on and on I could go through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of all that he had told them. All the things that he claimed to be true about himself. All the things that he said he would accomplish. All those at the resurrection were accomplished. Remember what he says later on in this very chapter, in chapter 24, where Jesus appears to those two men walking to Emmaus. Those two men that are walking to Emmaus are also dumbfounded that Jesus was gone. And he says to them, he says, I, I am who all of the Gospels talked about. I'm who all the Old Testament talks about. Starting with Moses, he then goes and lays out all that the Old Testament said he was. Remember church who he said he was remember that he said this in john in luke 24 7 that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise now i wish i knew what happened between verse 7 and verse 8 i, I believe it is the holy spirit that came and Open their eyes the same way that it happened to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, that the scales on their eyes are really the scale on their heart that led them to this doubt or this distrust was removed in a moment because it says this in verse eight. And they remembered his words. Will you and will I remember his words on this resurrection Sunday? But look what their response is to the remembering of what Christ had done, even in their doubt. They finally had seen what God had said he was going to do and raise Christ from the dead. They had remembered all that he said. And then it says this, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. 
the remembering the gospel and the resurrection led them to a place of preaching and proclaiming the resurrection. You see, my great fear is this, church. We're still in a place of doubt because we're not preaching or proclaiming the gospel message. You see, when the eyes of your heart have been opened, the scales have been removed, and you remember the words of God, you will be compelled. I will be compelled, not because I'm a pastor, but because I believe in a risen Christ. I will be compelled to go and preach the good news of the resurrection of Christ that gives others hope so that they will remove their doubt and they will put their faith and their hope in Christ Jesus. Are we, church, compelled to tell others what we have seen and heard? My great fear is this, church, we are not. My my great fear is this. I've said this stat before. I'll say it again. The, the, The numbers of people walking away from the church are astounding. For the first time in American history, We've hit a mark that we've never seen before. More than half Americans no longer go to church. That's the first time in American history. We're at 48% of every American goes to church. 52% no longer go to church. And I don't even mean go one time. I mean, they don't go at all. We are moving to a post-modern Christianity. We're becoming like England. We're becoming like the East, moving away from the doctrines of the gospel. Why? Because we don't truly believe in the resurrection. Because why? We place our hope in things amongst the dead rather than the living. And so I would ask you an application this morning. Where in your life Would your life show that you doubt the resurrection? Is it in your marriage? Is it in your job? Is it in your children? Is it in the way you live? I I don't know. But how does your life and how does my life point back to the doubt of the resurrection? So I'd ask you again, are you like the women that day? Or are you now like the disciples. They disbelieved in all that happened at the resurrection. Doubt and disbelief. The disciples doubted or distrusted what had taken place. Remember what had happened at the cross. They scattered like cockroaches when a light turns on. They're nowhere to be found. They didn't trust What Christ had said to them for those three years they walked with him. Remember what Peter had said. No, 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 I'll never deny you. And then within moments, what does he do? He denies him. One of his other trusted disciples sold him out for a little bit of money. And then all the rest cannot be found on the most promising day that the world had ever seen. Can't be found. They're hidden away, it says in another gospel, up in this room all by themselves. 
doubting. And then it says this, when the women believed and they began to tell the others, they went, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and the mother, the Mary of James, and the other women that were with them, all women that were with them at the tomb, who told all these things to the apostles or the disciples or those who followed Christ. But look at the disciples' response to the telling of the greatest news they'd ever heard. They had told him, hey, Jesus is not there. His body is not there. Remember what happens later on. We see this piece together in the Gospels that Jesus had appeared to them at the tomb. So they had seen the risen Lord. And they go back and say, no, no, I know his body wasn't there, but I have seen him. But these words seem to them, the disciples, as a idle tale or a fairy tale. Fairy tales are cute, aren't they? Fairy tales are just simply unbelievable. And so for them, it was a cute story. It was just an unbelievable story. Remember, the only person they had seen being raised from the dead was Lazarus. So it's not like they hadn't seen it before. But could Jesus do it himself, for himself? They doubted it. And they did not believe in verse 11 says. But something awoke in Peter that morning as the women came and they told him the truth about what they had seen and heard. Something even in the doubting place of Peter did this. He says in verse 12, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves and he went home marveling at what happened. You can marvel at something and still not believe it. You can marvel at something and still doubt that it could be true. And that's what happens to Peter. Peter sees it for himself. He sees that the body's been taken away. He even sees like, hey, they didn't come rob him because the linens that he, we wrapped him in are laying folded up, it says in another gospel. So it's not like they could have stolen his body, Peter, Peter thought. But people, Peter marveled at what had happened perplexed, wondering, doubting, could Christ have really raised from the dead? Well, we know that Peter doesn't believe this to be true because his response isn't like the women's. Remember what happened when the women believed, they went and told people. What did Peter do? We know in John chapter 21, you can turn there. John chapter 21 he appears to his disciples in John chapter 20. They're talking. He shows up at the door, comes through the door. Jesus says, have peace. He shows Thomas his hands and his feet. And yet we still see Peter doubting. Now, I don't know about you, but if I see some man walk through a door, I'm going to stop doubting. If I see my friend stick his fingers in the holes of the crucifixion, I'm going to stop doubting. But not for Peter. Peter kept doubting. I wonder, church, how often God has so revealed himself to us in so many ways, and yet we still doubt him. It's a miracle only by God's grace that you were able to breathe your breath, put your feet on the floor, 
floor, get some clothes on, and walk into this building this morning. That is God's kindness to you. But we doubt. Like that ought to just happen. No, that is a miracle from God. If you think about your marriage and where you've been in your marriage, it's a miracle that you're still married in so many ways. If you have children, they are miracles given to you by God. On and on I could go how God has so displayed himself to us. He's revealed his hands, his side, and his feet to us, and yet do we not still doubt, church? If we're honest, we're like Peter. We want to see more. We want more. We desire more. Give me more. And yet he continues to do it, and yet we continue to doubt. But oh, thank God, Jesus still pursues us in our doubting. Amen. Like how many times does Jesus have to reveal himself to Peter? Jesus is like, okay, man, I'm going to keep doing it. You can run from him, but I promise this, you cannot outrun the love of God. You can doubt him, but even in your doubting, he's going to pursue you all the while. So somewhere between chapter 20 and 21, Peter still doesn't believe. And Peter then goes back. And what does he do? He goes back to his profession, a fisherman, it tells us. So it says this, and after Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the sea of Tiberias, he revealed himself in this way to Simon Peter. In verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. He had just revealed himself again to Peter. And what does Peter say? Man, I got to go fish. What? What? He's going fishing on the boat. I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. And they went out, got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Surprise, surprise. Like you want to keep doubting, Jesus is going to show up in the way only Jesus can show up. It says this in verse 4, just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet his disciples did not know that it was Jesus. I'm like, man, how many chances, fellas? Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the, on the right side of the boat, and you will find some fish. So they did it. They cast it on the right side. And they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And this is where Peter believed. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put out his outer garment, for he was stripped from work and threw himself into to the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat. Peter lost his ever-living mind. He jumps out of the boat and swims. He could have paddled his way back. It would have been much faster. He lost his mind because he finally believed that it was the Lord. The scales had been removed from his eyes, miracle after miracle after miracle, and yet catching some fish woke in Peter's heart. I wonder, church, what will it take for you to believe? I pray it's not some fish on a boat. I pray that you would hear this message, and it would be this message 
that will awaken your heart to believing in the resurrection, that God is pursuing you, even in your doubt. He jumps in the water. He swims to the shore. And then it says this, and they got onto the land and they saw the charcoal in place with fish laid out on it with bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went in aboard and hauled the net ashore full of 153 fish. Although there were so many, the net was torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now. None of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Oh, I love that scene. That Jesus invites them where? To the breakfast table. Hey, come eat with me. Come dine with me. Come be with me and let me be with you. That is the invitation to all of us this morning. Come eat with Jesus. Dine with him. They dared not ask because they knew it was him. I think this is the moment, again, that really awoke in the heart of Peter. Jesus came and he took bread and he gave it to them. So with the fish. It was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to his disciples after he'd been raised from the dead. I believe something happens in verse 13. And they're sitting at the breakfast table. Remember what had happened some days before. We're not sure how many days. Maybe a week. Maybe two weeks. Maybe five days. Nobody knows. But I wonder at that breakfast table. When Jesus lifted up the bread. And broke it. If they're reminded of what happened that night before his crucifixion. Where he said, do this in remembrance of me. He broke bread with them. You see, church, that is what Christ wants to do in our doubting. He wants to break bread with us this morning. Do you believe that? So my question to you this morning is this. Do you doubt like the women? Do you disbelieve like the disciples? But this is the promise of God. He is chasing you in your doubt and unbelief. And he's revealing himself over and over and over again to you. And so this this morning as we come and remember the resurrection, I too want to break the body of Christ. And remember him. And so this morning, if you're here and you have uh, the the Lord's Supper in your hand, if you don't, please raise your hand. We'll come and and grab you one and give you one. I'm going to ask Jared to come down and play some as we take the Lord's Supper.
I know not everyone got one. Praise God for that. If we had enough, we thought. So praise God that the building is full. This does not take away from what God wants for you. And I apologize for not having enough. But as you prepare your Lord's Supper, open the top and open the bottom. Take the wafer and get the juice ready. I want to be reminded and remind us of not only what he did the night before he was crucified, but so much more importantly for us this morning, what he did that morning with his disciples today. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. Take the body of Christ and remember what Christ did for you and I on the cross. Let's take the bread this morning. It doesn't say it in this text, but we know this to be true. We know that they drank wine that morning as well. My mind, my imagination goes to that same moment when he's holding up a cup with the wine in it. and He drinks it with his disciples. I would imagine he would say, this is my blood that was once poured out for you. Remember what I did for you on the cross. Let us be reminded of Christ's blood for us on the cross. Take the juice this morning. I'm going to ask you the same three questions that Christ asked Peter after that faithful breakfast. It says this in John chapter 21 says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, the one that doubted, the one that betrayed him. He says this to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him again, then feed my sheep. And he said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend to my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Peter, feed my sheep. And Peter's response was, truly, truly, I say to you. This is what Jesus says back to Peter. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourselves and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will dress you and carry you you where you do not want to go. 
But then Jesus said this, after Peter was asked that question three times, Lord, do you love me? Lord, do you love me? Lord, do you love me? Peter answered three times, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And so my question to you is this, do you love him this morning? Do you love Christ this morning? Is your response, yes, Lord? And now look what Jesus says to Peter. He says to him the same way he said to him at the very beginning when he called Peter to himself. He said, then Peter, if you love me, then follow me. Church, do you love a risen Savior this morning? Then let us follow him and proclaim the gospel message to those who are still lost. Let us pray.